Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Well, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Matt Shuttlesworth, and I, along with my wife, Rachel, who is at our Kitchener location today, uh, we are the senior pastors here at Legacy Church, and we are so thankful that you decided to join us on this Pentecost Sunday. Uh, we are going to continue in our series. I'm not going to do a special Pentecost message, but God showed me something this week, and he challenged me to look up something that I'm going to share with you at the end here. Uh, this is also our Legacy Faith Offering Sunday, and I was just so excited last night. I was up until about 3 a.m. and just was praying for what God was going to do today, as well as the word today that I believe that I have for you. And uh, But who's enjoyed this trust fund series so far? Has anybody enjoyed it? It's really challenge my wife and I as well. Um, is anybody, okay, here's what I'm going to do because uh, I have a couple of things that I want to give away this morning. So does anybody remember, and this might be too challenging, does anybody remember what we taught on in week two of this series? The Wheel of Control, that was week one with Pastor Rachel. Week two, Anybody remember? Week one was mindset. Week two was... Anybody? 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 Well, the whole series is trust fund. Yes, yes. Correct! Started with the head. Where did we go after the head? Who said heart first? Who said it first? Here you go. I'm going to give you this book. So this is a book... um, that we have, uh, I've got three copies. So I'll give one to each of you because of your faithfulness. Um, this is a book that we've read and has just radically changed uh, our lives in the way of generosity and it comes to uh, what the Bible says about it. And uh, some of the stories I've told throughout this series and some of the things that you've heard throughout this series have come from this book. And it's called The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. It says, Unlocking the Rewards of Generous Living. And so I've got three copies today, and I saw Lauren was, or you, Lauren was like, I want that. So Lauren, here's one for you. And then I saw Makira in the back. She was like, I'm gunning for that. I'm gunning for that. This will, if you, if you get a hold of this, this will, it'll radically change your generous living. And I got one more copy. Has anybody just really been struggling um, struggling to grab hold of the idea of tithing. No one wants to admit that, so. <laughs> yeah, that's me. No one wants to do that. But has anybody really been struggling financially over maybe the last six months? Would you be willing to admit that? Anybody just, it's been a, it's been a grind. It's been, uh, it's been a pinch. This is for you. I want to sow this into you, and Legacy Church wants to sow this into you, because I believe if you get a hold of this, it'll change everything. Amen? Come on. So we are in week seven of a series that we have been calling Trust Fund, and I'm so excited about this. Uh, We're going to continue in this series. Just because today is the Legacy Offering doesn't mean we're ending this. This This series wasn't about this. This was about a principle and an understanding that I want the church as a whole to get. And so we're going to go into week seven of this series. And I just, uh, I, don't, I don't know, next week we might have a special guest. I don't want to say anything just yet because I haven't confirmed this special guest. But to give you a small clue, the last name will be Shuttlesworth. 
Uh, okay, here we go. So does anyone remember the math problems we used to get in school? Not like just like the equations, like two plus two equals four. But does anybody remember like the vocabulary math problems you used to get? Like Ariel was playing basketball. One of her shots went into the hoop. Two of her shots did not go into the hoop. How many shots were there in total? Can anybody figure that one out? Five. Answer is three. One shot went in, two shots did not. See, it messes us all up. Adriana has a hundred pieces of gum to share with her friend. When she went to the park, she shared ten pieces of her strawberry gum. When she left the park, Adriana shared another ten pieces of her gum. How many pieces of gum does Adriana have now? Can anybody figure that one out? 80, that's correct. Jane needs to cut a, a pan of brownies into pieces. So she cuts seven equal columns and three even rows. How many brownies does Jane have? 21, six times three. There you go. Which reminded me, who hated those problems? Who still hates those problems? Thank the Lord we don't have to do math in that manner today. But that reminded me of a video that I saw, and I just thought it was so good uh, of this, and so they can play that right now. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How, how, much, money, how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> What do you say? Jaden has one dollar. What do you say? A quarter and two pennies. How much money does Jaden have? Jaden broke. Come on, play it one more time. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> Jaden broke. Who feels like that this morning? Daddy broke. Mama broke. Well, out of all the forms of math, in my opinion, multiplication is my favorite. Does anybody like, like multiplication? Now, I don't like to do multiplication, but I like the results of multiplication. And so I believe that it, it's, it's the best. Why is it the best? Because God believed in multiplication. Our God is a God of multiplication. We see in Genesis 1.28, it says, And God blessed them, and God sent, said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves on the earth. He said, Be fruitful and multiply. Even from the very beginning, he instructed Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. Fruitful activity multiplies or adds to what's already there, producing more of something. This isn't just something that God instructed Adam and Eve. There's an idea of multiplication that runs all throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Jesus modeled multiplication. He not only gave us a mandate to multiply, but he spent his life showing us how to do it. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him for a time and that he might send them out to preach. We see that in Mark. We see the parable of the talents. Jesus rewarded those who did something with it to multiply it versus the person that held on to it. He took it and gave it to the other person, right? We see multiplication from beginning to end. He, he, he multiplied it. But today, one of my favorite stories I just want to focus on for the next few minutes. I always say this. I don't intend to be long. So I'm not intending to be long today. But one of my favorite stories is found in the book of Luke. Luke 9 verses 10 through 17. We're going to camp on just for the next few minutes. 
says, when the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Well, what we have to understand in context here, when the apostles returned in this moment, they told Jesus everything they had done. God sent them through Jesus and had commissioned the apostles to go out two by two to cast out demons and to heal all of those who were sick. So they were coming back and they were telling Jesus in this moment as they had returned everything that had happened in this time. Continuing on, then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. What the disciples were basically saying in this is they were putting all the onus and all the blame on the people. The people are hungry. Send them away. In all actuality, the disciples were hungry and they just wanted to blame it on the people. They're hungry. Send them away. Send them out. There's nowhere to eat here. They were hangry. I love how it says late. Where does it say? Late in the afternoon. Could you imagine if our services went late in the afternoon? You would all get hangry. You would shut off about 12.05, which is the, 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 the exact figure that people shut off and think about lunch. But it was late in the afternoon. Continuing on, verse 13. But Jesus said, you feed them. I love what the disciples are. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, or are, are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? Are you, Jesus, are you really expecting us to go and buy enough food for, for the whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men. Now, what we have to understand about this number in Jewish culture at the time, Jewish culture only counted the men. So in all actuality, if you were counting families and counting everyone, there could be at least a minimum of 15,000 people in this moment. Let's just say there was, uh, there, there was, was 5,000 men. Maybe let's just say half of them had wives. And let's just say out of all of those, uh, the average, now around this time, the average was four to five children per household. So even on a low end, it was 15,000. So just to give you a little context, and all they had was five loaves and two fish. Continuing on, Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to all the people. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. If you are taking notes today, my message is called made to multiply. Everybody say made to multiply. Come on, say it one more time. Made to multiply. See, I believe today that you're not just going to hear this, but that you're going to get this deep down inside of you. You're going to believe this, that you were made to multiply, that you were made to multiply in every area of your life. Today, you're not just coming to hear this. I believe that you're here to be infected by this word. And I, that is my hope today, that you're infected by this word. And that you recognize that you were created from the beginning to multiply. You were made to multiply and it will affect everything that you do. Say it one more time. I was made to multiply. I think when you get this, everything you look at will be different. Your time will look different. Your talent will look different. Your treasure will look different. Your life will look different. Your family will look different. Your finances will look different. When we get this, I was made to multiply. Say it one more time. I was made to multiply. Maybe there's $200 in your bank account and you have to get to the end of the month 
but you were made to multiply. Maybe you got to get to work this week and all you have left is a quarter tank of gas and you have to go a long way and you don't know how you're going to get there, but you were made to multiply. Maybe no one in your gene pool has ever been debt free, has ever lived a debt free life, but you were made to multiply. I believe that you were made to multiply. So think about this in this moment, there are 5,000 men as it, it tells us, but we know it could be upwards of at minimum of 15,000 people in this portion of scripture in this moment. There are over 5,000 men following Jesus. How much influence do you have to have for 5,000 people before TikTok, Instagram, Facebook? What am I missing? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm missing something. Snapchat. Does that even exist still? Signal. Twitter. Twitter's making a comeback. 5,000 men were following him in this moment. They didn't get to repost or post about the miracles that were taking place. They didn't get to repost sermon highlights from the Sunday service. They didn't get, they didn't, we have more power today in five seconds with a phone in our hands than they even had back then. We have the ability today. Maybe this is a tangent for some of us. We have the ability today in one post to affect thousands if we do it. But in this time, you think about this, there are 5,000 following. This was before social media. This was before all these things took place. For some of us, we can go on our Instagram feeds and we can look back at the last 20 years of our Instagram posts. If I went on your Instagram posts, what would that reflect? Would it reflect that you are a believer, that you go to church and that you believe in the things of God? Or would it reflect just your life? In one moment, in one post, it could change everything. For some of us, we don't even post that we go to church. You say, well, you know, I just, I don't want to offend people. Well, I can tell you what, there's a whole group of other people in this world that are willing to push what they believe on everyone who follows them. Why is it that us Christians, wait, I just don't want to offend them. Sorry, it's a little rant. I apologize because I used to be that person. One of my best friends that I grew up with fell out of, uh, fell out of church, fell out of God. Doesn't believe in God, has, has, wants nothing to do with it because of a bad experience. And I had that. I was like, I shouldn't really post this because not everybody that follows me is a believer. And God challenged me one day. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I've given you a platform. Post what you believe because everyone else will post what they believe. Little side trail, but say, well, I'm not good at inviting people. You don't have to be good at inviting people. It's 2023. Repost the service. Post what you learned today in Sunday service. Maybe something stood out to you. Repost the service and say, hey, come to church with me next Sunday. I believe God is going to do something. But if not, I'll take you to lunch. Think about this, though, the, the, the influence that had to take place in this moment, because all of this was simply by word of mouth. Now, I'm trying to give you context here just so we understand this. These people in this time are like, let's go find that dude. That story that we heard about, you know, that our friend told us, that his friend told him, that his friend told him from four towns over. Let's go find that dude. I got nothing to do today on this holiday weekend. Let's go find that dude. I heard he's coming through town. Let's go see if the stories are true about blind eyes open. And I heard blind eyes were opening. Did you hear that? I heard deaf ears were opening. Did you hear that? I don't believe it. I'm going to go see for myself. Lepers are being healed. Crazy things are happening in this moment, in this time in Jesus's ministry. These people, they have to know what has been going on and they want to hear what he has to say. So all of these people in this moment are just listening to him minister. They're listening to him speak in this moment. They don't care if he went one hour. They don't care if he goes 10 hours. 
In our modern culture, we're happy to get out the door after an hour. Thank God, Pastor Matt only went 30 minutes today. He was on schedule. I can make lunch in time. In our modern culture, we're just, we just hope that it ends in an hour. We put our hour in. We feel good about ourselves until next Sunday. But they don't care. They don't care if he went an hour. They don't care if he went late into the afternoon. They were so compelled by the words that were coming out of his mouth. But it's so interesting to me. Who was it that stopped Jesus in this moment? Was it the people? Was it the 5,000? No, it was the disciples. The disciples who just came back and just told him of all the miracles that took place. That just told him of all the demons that had been cast out. They came back and they said, I think the people are hungry. I think they're hungry. I think we need to dismiss them for the afternoon because there's nowhere, there's no uh, Swiss chalets around. They're going to have to go to the other village if they want Swiss chalet. They're going to have to go to the other village if they need a Starbucks break. So maybe we should give them a break. What is his response in this moment? See, the disciples in this moment, they thought they pulled one over on Jesus. Yeah, we, we, it's been a long day, Jesus. I mean, you've, you've taught so well, but I think we need a break. They thought they pulled one over on him, but how did Jesus respond? Okay, you feed them. Well, wait, 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 Jesus. No, 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 I was just saying we should send them out. We should, like, we need a break. We've been sitting in the sun all day. We're hot, we're tired, we're hangry. We should send them out. He said, you feed them. Now the panicked disciples trying to backpedal in this moment. But Jesus, all we have are five loaves and two fish. Jesus, you don't expect us to go to Costco, do you? It's two villages over. You don't expect us to go, do you? You want us to, how are we going to feed him? How are we going to feed all these people you don't expect? Do you know how far that store is? How are we going to do this? I don't know what they're going to do. And I think this is maybe what they were thinking in this moment. Well, I don't know what the 5,000 are going to do. I don't know what the 15,000 are going to do, but I know what we're going to do. We got the five loaves and the two fishes. We're good. Just send them out. We're good. With, we got ours. We're, hey, we're already setting up the picnic blanket. We're going to be, we're going to be good here. I think this can be us sometimes, can it? We've seen miracles happen. We've seen things take place. But it's in that moment where God's like, well, here's what I need you to do. I want you to feed them. But God, I only have this. But God, I'm like Jaden. I'm broke. I only have a dollar, a quarter, and two pennies to rub together. I'm broke. But I want you to. Go and take what you have and bless them. But God, I only have enough for my family for this week. But God, this can be us sometimes, can it? It's amazing that the disciples had just come off the road. They had just saw miracles take place. They had just saw all these things take place. They had just saw the gospel preached to people. They were teaching about healing. They were casting out demons. But in this moment, when it came to provision, they were concerned. A lot of times we see the story, we see the, and we read the stories, and we tend to focus on what we can see and what we can get from it. But we forget in these moments, there are people like you and I that have to walk these things out. What did Jesus do in this moment? He's like, okay, okay, okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to, to go through, go through the crowds. I want you to get everybody to sit down in groups of 50. Can you do that? Okay, okay, okay. So they, they went out. Could you imagine the organization that it took to seat 15,000 people in groups of 50? Hey, 50, yeah, we want you to sit down. Fit, groups of 50. No, 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 not 40, 40, 50. Tell the next group. Could you imagine the time that it took to organize and to get, it's like, well, yeah, get them to sit in groups of 50, 15,000 people, 50. No, no, that's not how it worked. We think, we just like, we don't look at the details a lot of times. Imagine being one of the 12 disciples who had to walk through the sea of people organizing 15 to 20,000 people in this moment in groups of 50 as Jesus had instructed them. 
How long do you think this took? I don't think this took five minutes. This could have taken hours. No, no, 50. Tell the next group, 50. It didn't just happen in a moment, but the disciples, they got this uh, instruction. They didn't know what the next instruction was, but they got this instruction from Jesus. Go tell them to sit in groups of 50. So they, they went and they took whatever time it took to sit them in groups of 50, not knowing what the next instruction was going to be. So the disciples, they, all right, we finally got it. Have you ever wrangled like 10 kids before? Could you imagine 15,000 people? Oh gosh, Jesus, we're so tired. We, okay, can we eat our uh, five loaves and two fish now? Oh, just so hungry. I'm just, did you see that group over there in group 3,095? They were just, they were just so, they didn't want to sit down. They, they're just the fifth. The, oh, they didn't know how, how many 50 was. It's just, The disciples went back, and here's what Jesus did in this moment. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples. He blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples in this moment. Here's what I want you to see. Somewhere between the blessing and the breaking and the release, the multiplication happened. Somewhere between the blessing of Jesus blessing it, the breaking, them taking it, and going to release it, came the multiplication. Here's one thing I want you to write down. It has to be blessed before it can multiply. It must be blessed before it can multiply. If you've been a part of this series, you know from the very beginning, we've taught this. The way to keep the blessed 90 is to return back to God the 10 that he has already given us, the 100 that he's already given us. He blessed it. He broke it. Then he released it. And then what happened? It turned into more. He blessed it. He broke it. They distributed it. And then it multiplied. He blessed it broke it, distributed it, and then it turned into more. Remember, there are only five loaves and two fishes. We're not talking about bluefin tuna that weigh like upwards of a ton. We're talking about two small fish here. If that was you, if you were the disciple in that moment, going to the first group, okay, all right, well, we got five loaves, we got two fish. This first group is going to be okay. Group two? <laughs> Should I even go back for more? Should I even go back to Jesus? For, is there going to be anything left? Should I just start a conversation with table two? Table two, what would you like today? I'm here to serve you. We have fish, 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 and bread. See, if I saw that, now I have to give you a little context of myself. I'm the kind of guy who walked into a relationship where my wife wants everything to be exact. She's like, okay, 10 people are coming. We're going to have this many slices of people for 10 people, and then there's going to be zero leftovers. And if you know me, that drives me nuts. I'm like, no! I want abundance. I want the 10 to get full, and I want them to... See that there's more left over so they can have seconds and thirds and fourths. And then I can have food for the next three days. That's the kind of guy that I am. And so walking into a relationship where my wife has everything calculated and she's changed. This is 14 years of marriage this week. She's changed. She knows me. She's like, okay, we're going to get abundance. But knowing that, that, that that's how I am, I would look at this situation because I'm the type of person when you go to, I want to make sure everybody gets fed. I want to make sure everybody gets served. I want to make sure everybody has enough. But me in this moment, if that was me, I would have said, okay, well, okay, table one of 50. Here's what, just take a nibble because I want to make sure everybody gets served. If you look behind you, there's another 14,999 tables left. If I saw that knowing what I knew about what we had in that moment, I would be giving everybody a nibble instead of a meal. And I think this is what happens so often is we tend to mask fear 
as stewardship. Well, the reason I'm not giving more in this legacy faith offering is because do you see what's going on? Do you see the gas prices? Do you see the price of bananas today? I have five monkeys to feed every week. There's a recession coming. And what we've tend to do is turn our savings account into an idol. We think if it goes below a certain zero that we're not going to make it. We think if it goes below a certain amount that we're not going to get through what is coming next. But can I tell you something? My trust is not in my bank account. My faith is not in the stock market. My trust is not in what I've set aside. If God told me today to do it, I'd release it. But the thing is, I haven't had anything set aside. I got nothing. What I got is what I got. And when he tells me, I release it. My trust isn't in the stock market. My trust is in Jesus. And that's what this series is all about. Our trust is in Jesus. Is your trust in Jesus? See, because what's so interesting, if it's blessed, it has the ability to multiply whoever's hands it is in. If it's blessed, think about this. After the first time of distributing the food, I would have been like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, should we go back? Like, I know what we have, but sh I don't know. Like, I might, I might feel embarrassed going back and there's nothing. Like, should we go back? Should we even go back? Like, am I going to be ha the one that's going to have to tell table five that we're sold out? Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I know we've asked you and organized you over the last two hours to sit down in groups of 50, but uh, we're sold out. We're sold out today. I'm sorry. Our salmon special is done. Can you imagine the faith to go back every time thinking, is there going to be enough? As a disciple in this moment, the faith, even though you just saw miracles take place, even though you just saw demons cast out, is there going to be enough? Should I even go back? Every time they got back to Jesus, there was still more food. Every time they went back, okay, table, table 200 has been served. Okay, I'm just going to go back because every time I go back, there's still enough. He blessed it. He broke it. But it was in the distribution that the, that the multiplication happens. I don't believe the miracle happened in Jesus' hands. I believe the miracle took place in the disciples' hands in their release. Let me say that again. I don't believe the miracle happened in Jesus' hands. I believe the miracle happened in the disciples' hands when they released it and they came back for more. Number two, it has to be given before it can multiply. It has to be given before it can multiply. Now, math would teach us, and I have a simple equation. Math would teach us that one plus one is two. Does everybody agree? Math would also teach us that one Minus one is zero. Does everybody agree? So logically, this next equation, subtraction equals multiplication. Logically, that we, we can't agree, right? Because subtraction can equal multiplication. Math would teach us that subtraction in no way can equal multiplication. But the kingdom of God teaches us that subtraction equals multiplication. You must give it for it to be multiplied. God is looking for a people he can trust that can take the bread and that can hand it out, that can distribute it to those who need it. Maybe there's someone praying for a blessing this month. Maybe there's someone praying for a blessing this year. Maybe there's someone praying for a blessing in the current situation that they're at. But the problem is, is we think an angel is going to come, fly down from heaven, knock on the door, say, here's a check from heaven and go on their way. It's not how it works. How does it work? God uses us to bless people.
He uses you and I to bless people. God is looking for a people who recognize that we were made to multiply. We were made to multiply in every area and aspect of our lives so that when something is put in our hands, we don't see it as ours. We see it as his. After hearing all the stories of the blessing, maybe that we've told during this series, maybe you are like that person in the audience rather than the disciple. Maybe you don't feel like you're at the place where you can be the blesser. You're just like God. Bring me a blessing. Maybe you don't feel like you're at that level yet. Maybe you don't feel like the disciple. I don't know how it's going to come, but we're going to keep going. If it's going to be there, we're going to keep going and keep giving. I'm going to keep going back. It's going to give be brought to me. And then we're going to go back and give more. But maybe for you, you're like, I've heard these stories of pastor Robert Morris. I've heard all these stories, but I just, I just need a blessing. Maybe put yourself in the shoes of the 5,000 here in this moment. You're hot. You're tired. You're hangry. You've been sitting there. You just watched the disciples fumble through organizing all 15,000 into 50 groups of 50. Like, oh my God, this is going to take all day if these dudes are organizing this thing. But what we have to understand is what if you were in the last group? What if you were in the last group of the 15,000? What if you were at table 1,000, whatever the number may be? You've heard the rumblings that there's only two fish, five loaves. Table one got served. They're happy. I can see them. They're taking a nap. They've unbuttoned their pants. Their shirts are unbuttoned. They're just, they're living their best life. What about me? You see that they've gone from front to back and you're towards the end. God, what about me? There's no, have you heard? There's five loaves and they're not going to make it to me. Honey, look on Apple maps, find out the nearest Swiss chalet. Can we make it there in time to get back for Jesus's next session? In this moment, everyone else is getting fed. Everyone else seems to be getting blessed. You watch table after table after table being served. Have you ever seen someone else get blessed? And in that moment, it's like, check my heart. God, this person's been blessed. Ten to check my heart. God, I don't know what you're doing. Sarcastically, we're all like, well, I'm glad God did that for you. When someone else gets blessed, are you celebrating or are you pouting? God, when will I be blessed? I've thought that. God, when will our church live in such an abundance and such a blessing that we can write that million dollar check like that and not even think about it? I just watched my cousin give a million dollars and in two days, the million dollars came back. God, when will we be blessed? I think we've all been there at some point. God, I saw so-and-so and what you did for them. And I heard their testimony. I see them at the front being served the fish and the bread. But what about me? Even when you see other people get blessed, what I love about this passage is it goes on to talk about how there was more than enough. Maybe you're at the end of the line. That's where you feel like you're at. God, they're getting blessed. I saw their mortgage got taken care of. I saw their house got paid for. Someone gave them a car. God, I can't even put gas in my car that doesn't even run. But can I tell you something? The bread is coming. There's more than enough. The bread is coming. Phil, I know you feel like you're at the end sometimes, but the bread is coming, my friend. The bread is coming. There's more than enough. The bread is coming to your situation. The bread is coming. The bread is coming. 
The bread is coming to your whole family and it's still coming. The bread is coming. Luke 9, 17, it says they ate as much as they all wanted. It wasn't just an enough blessing. Oh God, this is what I need. I need, you know, $256.13. Can I tell you, the bread is coming. Not just enough, more than enough. The bread is coming. The bread is coming. I heard this story recently of a couple who were living in L.A. And they had done everything that they could do. They called all of their bill collectors. They called everyone. They worked out payment plans. I can give you $2 every other day. I can give you $200 for this bill. I can do this for this bill. And so they, they looked at each other. They took all their bills. They placed them on the floor in a circle. And all they knew to do, because they did everything that they could, all they knew to do was to place their bills on the floor. I said, okay, we've done everything we can do. Now we're going to ask God to do what he can do. So they took the bills. They placed them on the floor. They began to walk in a circle around their bills. They began to pray in tongues. They began to pray in a heavenly language. They began to pray, God, we've done everything we can do. Now it's time for you to work. God, we've done everything we can do. Now it's time for you to work. God, we need you in this situation. We're overdue. God, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. 20 minutes into their prayer, they get a knock on their door. They open the door, and who do they see? They see their friend who lives eight hours away. Remember, they've only been praying and walking in the circle for 20 minutes. They knock on their door, and to their surprise, it's one of their good friends. They're so shocked. What are you doing here? Why are, what, what are you doing here? And the person continued to, to go on. He said, God woke me up late last night at around midnight. He put your names in my spirit. He said, I want you to write them a check for this amount. He said, but I don't want you to mail it. I want you to drive it to them. Eight hours. I want you to drive it to them. And so that man, he wrote the check, got in his car. He drove the eight hours to his friend's front door, knocked on the door 20 minutes into their prayer. <clears throat> he said, God put you on my heart. And he told me I needed to write you this amount. And it was everything they needed to do to get out of arrears in every account that they had in that moment. Can I tell you something? When you do what you can do and allow God to do what he can do, he will come through. What these people didn't know was 20 minutes into prayer, God had already prepared the way. The blessing was on its way. If I can tell you this today, the blessing is on its way. The bread is coming. He was at work eight hours away, waking somebody up in the night. Seven and a half hours before they even began to pray. The blessing is coming. The blessing is on its way. The bread is coming. I believe that we'll be able to be the answer for so many prayers in this city. I believe that we'll be able to be the answer not just the church, that you will be able to be the answer for so many prayers. The blessing is on the way. The bread is on the way. What I love about that story, it's so awesome that they got blessed that their needs, were, their needs were met in this moment. But the best part about it is there was someone who had more than enough who was willing to be obedient to God in that moment, not just to write the check, but to get in the car, drive it eight hours, knock on the door and say, God loves you. God wants to take care of you. God is here for you. 
That's the blessing of that story is that someone was willing to be obedient with what they had when asked. What I love about this story is it wasn't rationed out. Luke 9, 17 and afterward, the disciple picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. 12. Why 12? The meaning of 12, which is considered a perfect number, symbolizes God's power and his authority. God's going to do it. The bread is coming. The bread is coming. Your miracle is coming. The blessing is coming. God's going to do it in his power, in his authority. He's going to do it. He's going to get you through the other side. He's going to get you through the situation. God is going to do it. The bread is coming. The bread is coming. The bread is coming. They kept, they kept distributing until everyone got fed, until they had as much as they wanted. Can I tell you something? Not all people are restaurant people. There's some buffet people that want the limits taken off. I don't want just one plate. I want 10 plates that are filled to the brim, that are overflowing, that it's such a mess that it all just looks like one pile. Not everybody's a restaurant person. I just, just enough is good for me. I believe that God has more than enough for his people. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. Maybe you wrote on your envelope today that you want to get out of debt. I believe that you'll get out of debt so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Maybe you wrote on your envelope today that you want to see your business blessed. I believe that your business will be blessed supernaturally above and beyond so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Maybe you wrote today on your envelope, you're believing for a promotion. I believe that you'll get a promotion so that you can be a blessing, not so that you can buy more things, not so that you can expand your house, not so that you can have a better car, but that you can be a blessing. What I want you to understand is that Jesus multiplied what the disciples had so there was enough for everyone to eat and there was more than enough. The blessing is coming. The blessing is coming. God, here are my two fish. God, here are my loaves. Bless it so that everyone can have abundance, so that everyone can have more than enough, so that your church can be overflowing, so that when I see a need on the street, when I see a need in the situation that my, my, I'm in, that I can be a blessing, that I don't just need to stand in prayer, but I can say, well, I know that you've been praying, but here's what God told me. This is the church that I see. Not a church that is struggling, but a church that lives in such abundance that when you see a need, you provide for the need. This isn't about this house, getting more offering, getting more, but no, this is about your house and your kids and your grandkids. I believe this, I believe this. On this Pentecost Sunday, today, the day that marks the day that Christians saw the Holy Spirit descend upon the followers of Jesus after his death, resurrection, and ascension. As I said earlier, many people believe that this is the birthday, the birthplace of the church. But this week, as I was praying about this and thinking about this, the Holy Spirit put something in me and said, I want you to study it further. And this is what I found. This is going to blow your mind because I didn't know this until this week. This date, May 28th, had been planned a long time ago. I didn't recognize that it was Pentecost Sunday. I didn't know the history of this. But this weekend, last night at midnight, marks the observance, or today marks the observance of Pentecost. But last night, 
and I'll probably butcher some of these words, so please forgive me. But there's a festival called Shavout. Everybody say Shavout. It's like, get out, Shavout. Shavout is called the festival of weeks because it is held seven weeks and one day after the second night of the Passover. Shavout also marked the beginning of what was a new agricultural season and was called Shag HaKatsar, which means the harvest holiday. The Feast of Weeks or the Festival of Weeks in Hag Hab Hikiram means the holiday of the first fruits. The last name comes from the practice of bringing fruits to the temple on Shavuot. In ancient times, which they don't observe this today, they eat dairy and cheesecake and crazy stuff today. And I'm not saying we're, you know, celebrating this. I just want you to understand the context of what God did that I didn't even recognize. In ancient times, what they would do is they would bring two wheat loaves that would be offered in the holy temple during Shavuot. It was also at this time that people would begin to bring what was called Bakirim, or the first fruits. The first and their choice fruits, the best of the best to thank God. But can I tell you what Bakirim means? Bakira means the promise to come. The promise to come. I didn't know this. This is God at work. This was God at work. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.